Everyone, welcome back to episode three of the Awake podcast. This week, we will be jumping into the interesting topic of sleep. Stick around, I think you'll learn some tips, some tricks, and get to the bottom of what sleep actually is. But before we begin, I think it's right that we start on a bit of housekeeping. So, as it is only episode three of the podcast, it's just paramount to let you know that the sound quality will change. We're trying out a few different microphones at present. The audio quality is similar, and also the platform in which we're recording on. The body of work itself, which is the podcast, obviously the first week was around 15 minutes, last week was around an hour, and today we hope to be aiming around the 10 to 15 minute mark. Reason being, I find this to be a bit more, you can nip in and nip out, get your information and leave. I think the problem is when you go long format, you lose the attention span of people, in which, as I said previously, Guys, welcome to episode three of the Awake podcast. This week we'll be jumping into the much talked about topic of sleep. Stick around and you'll learn some tips, tricks, and maybe even learn a few things that can actually change the way you perform. But before we do that, I think it's just right that we jump into some housekeeping. The last few weeks of the podcast has been more or less a trial basis. We're experimenting with different microphones and different platforms. Please bear with us, we will get this right eventually. Hopefully today you're seeing, a, again, a bit of a, a slight increase in performance of that of the actual audio itself. Um, we will get there in the end, but please just stick around with us. And again, before we jump into the podcast, just want to say thank you to anyone that listens, anyone that leaves feedback, and anyone that has recommended the podcast. We are now in three figures in terms of listenership, which for someone that is not uh, a comedian or you know doesn't have a following or a or a group of people that is associated with them or a fan base. I think that's really, really good and really, really promising. We had people listening last week from New Zealand, which in itself was really interesting and something I'm very proud of. As I say, it's a work in progress. It will change. This is something I aim to do every Saturday for the foreseeable future and um, for the rest of the, for as long as I live, so to speak. Um, because I believe in the topic of health and fitness and mental well-being and, and mindfulness, I think there's always going to be new information which comes to light and new information that we can talk about and try, etc. Um, last week, we talked about a lot of things. As I say, it was a very long podcast, but the last tip or trick for your toolkit was the Wim Hof breathing exercise. Now, as I said, we didn't go into too much about Wim Hof, and again, we're not going to today. That's, that's a long format podcast, which will come back at some stage. Um, but Wim Hof, nonetheless, has developed a breathing technique I posted on Instagram the other day the app itself that you can download off the App Store, either on the Play Store or on Android or the App Store on Apple. It's absolutely excellent. It's as I say, it's a free app. It's a guided meditation, so to speak. You know what? Personally, myself, I, I I don't find I get a huge amount out of meditation. Reason being, my mind races a million miles an hour. It's always got a million different ideas. Last night I couldn't sleep because I had an idea of a specific application myself and I was up all night thinking about it. So meditation for me is just an opportunity for my mind to have a billion different things going on at once. Now you know some of you are probably screaming at the thing saying that this is probably a more reason why, more reason than any that I need to actually meditate. But I find what works for me better is this breathing meditation. As I said, it's more of a bit of a struggle. It's not so much as a calmness. So essentially what it is to break it down is you will breathe deeply for a period of time and then have no breath for two minutes and just focus on letting the oxygen carry the, or, or the blood carry the oxygen around the body and getting it used to 
there's a, there's a special term he uses, but essentially it, it it's a really interesting property, which I guess the, the, to put it in layman's terms would be, I have, no, I have seen a noticeable difference in my performance, whether that be running, sprinting, or boxing, from doing this breathing meditation. And again, these are all things that years ago, you know, when I was fighting, people would have said that that's not really, you know, or I would even say it myself, it's not really something that I can see making a difference. You know, you train hard, you eat right, and you fight, so to speak, and if you do that, then it's fine. But when we're in an era now where mixed martial artists and boxers and any sort of athlete are using one of the topics we're talking about today is sleep psychology. When, we're, when athletes have sleep doctors and breathing doctors and sports psychologists, there's a lot more to the game than just performance in terms of in the gym. We, we need to translate. Well, actually, even better still, I'll not steal the quote, I'll tell you. There's a boxing coach that said, and I can't remember his name, but he's quite a famous one, said that his job was to get the performance that he sees every day in the gym into the ring. And why that's such an interesting thing in itself is for the simple reason that when you're under those lights and there's 20,000 people watching you or whatever sport, whatever field you're in, when it's finally D-Day, the brain perks up. Because as we all know, we talked about it last week, the brain has a built-in animalistic tribal instinct, which is the... It's not the frontal lobe, doesn't matter. Anyway, has a built-in part of the brain that is it's, its duty is to keep you from harm keep you from stress, keep you from pain or damage or anything like that. And it stemmed across the line over a period of time where you were going to possibly be eaten. Again, we're going over spilt milk, but this is something we discussed in earlier podcasts. Um, so you have this part of the brain to do that. So this part of the brain then perks up when you're about to give a big speech or you're about to enter a big match or you're about to take a big test going, you don't know this, you should have studied harder. Oh, you're going to be so embarrassed when you get these results. This is what the brain does, whether you even know you're doing it or not. So the job of knowing how to control this part of the brain will ultimately stem to better performance. And again, I always harp back to this because I find his, his mannerisms and body language and how he approaches it fascinating as Conor McGregor. I've never seen an example of an athlete under such stress, pressure to perform than this person who essentially holds the world of mixed martial arts and has put it to the ground it's at now and gets in and just so calm, so relaxed, so focused. You know, the, the, the fight he had previously, though, the last fight, the Donald Cerrone fight, it was talked about that he only showed up to that arena 30 minutes before the fight, which is just enough time to get his three-piece suit off, get his hands wrapped, and pretty much be signed off the fight. That, that's a level of mind state that we can all only hope for. And again, it's one that we will delve into hard, not, or, uh, throughout the course of the podcast. As I say, the likes of Connor and I has Tony Robbins in his team, which is a fantastic mind and body coach, a strategist as he calls himself. And that is something that we will be aiming to do here. We will all work together and we all aim to improve our overall performance, which actually counts on D-Day. Doesn't matter what we're doing in the gym. Doesn't matter what we're doing X, Y, and Z. When it comes to the time to do it, that's what matters. You could train for 300 days for a football match, comes to the football match. There's going to be a scout there to watch you play and you're not on top of your game, what happens? Somebody else gets picked to go and represent the country or to go to play uh, the Premier League, whatever it may be. These are all just examples, but again, you can fit it into your lifestyle and you can see how it fits in, whether it's a promotion, you have to give a presentation, you know every single word inside out, but that part of your brain starts talking to you that day of. And again, I've seen people crumble. Uh, in a previous lifetime, I had a job where I did have to do presentations and I made it, I made it my strength, whereas I knew people that 
hated it equally as much as I did, but just couldn't control themselves on the day and would cry, they would throw up, they would whatever. And you might be saying to yourself, it's only a presentation, but you know, when the, maybe 10 grand in terms of salary is in the, you know, in the pocket, if you're, if you're able to, if you're able to get assessed and pass through this, this presentation, then I guess it is worth throwing up over. You got to weigh up these things, but I digress. Um, this week, as I say, we're going to talk about the topic of sleep. Sleep is the greatest legal performance enhancing drug that most people are probably neglecting. This is according to the author of, the, the author of Why We Sleep, Dr. Matthew Walker, in which he believes, for example, failure to acquire the adequate, adequate sleep before a big fight will see a rapid percentage decrease, and that will mean you're performing, your ability to perform under that particular stress or pressure will decrease. Now, it's a really interesting, the, the guy, Matthew Walker, was on the Joe Rogan experience. I listened to the podcast and was absolutely blown away. He goes into huge detail about it. We're not going to do that. As I say, we're going to try and keep this podcast to 15 minutes. So we're going to try and avoid going into too much on it. The guy's name is Dr. Matthew Walker. The book is Why We Sleep. I downloaded it on Audible. And again, an absolute astonishing read. It will change massively how you think. Um... I guess it's worth talking about how sleep effects is in total then, you know, if we think about our life as in a performance or how we function, sleep is a massive part of that. Sleep affects how you make decisions. What was, what was the one I read there the other day that um, lack of sleep affects the prefrontal cortex in the brain and gets us it to switch off? This is the part of the brain that controls emotion. Can you imagine how you're making decisions with your family, with your loved one, at work, whatever, when your emotional center of your brain is switched off. I just found that absolutely crazy. And another one as well is, you know, most doctors only have two hours of dedicated sleep while they're actually in training, while they're in their university, so to speak. And as I say, this one is actually backed up by the guy, Matthew Walker, that is a doctor. And he was taken through some sort of PDF uh, when he was in, you know, whatever the, you know, doctor training school um, for two hours and that was kind of it. So you would almost, if you read a, a listen to an audio book for a, 11 hours, I think the, the Matthew Walker one is, on sleep, you would effectively be better trained to begin with than a doctor, which is absolutely crazy, you know, if we're going to talk about prescribing medication for, for sleep, which again is always very similar to mental health and I know certain people do need to take medication for mental health and take you know lots of people need to take medication for everything but for me it's always a last port of call and I have to throw that out there you know it's it's one of them things that until every other avenue is exhausted I will not really consider on going into and the other point I found really interesting was after 20 hours of being awake you're physically and cognitively as impaired as you would be if you were legally drunk how mental is that? Y you know, again, how is this affecting your decision makers? How is this affecting your abilities as a partner, as a father, as a business person, as a whatever? We all know we can let our brain run rampant in terms of we can maybe, you know, fire off in the wrong direction given a, a certain day and a certain scenario happening. Add to this the lack of sleep and you, it's a recipe for disaster. You know, midnight is supposed to be the middle of the night and it used to be back in, you know, in times of Neanderthals and cavemen, it would have been, so you would have been going to bed when it got dark and getting up at dawn, you know, whereas now the middle of the night is a time to check your Facebook or maybe get ready to go to bed. These are all things that like 
sleep quality. So everything else in our world in terms of that we that should push us towards getting a better sleep has got better. But yet our sleep quality has got worse since you know since the 50s, if you look back that far, when in terms of when they started actually recording data on sleep. So if you if you think about it, you know, we have really comfortable, you know, the, the name Silent Night jumped to mind there. I've probably seen that many adverts. Really comfortable mattresses. Um and all these amazing different things that we'll go in to talk about on how to get to sleep, but yet we're sleeping less. And I think it's 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 down to the silly thing that we talked about again previously, the, the dopamine hit from you looking at your Facebook, that wee adrenaline, that wee that we uh that wee positive hitter that you get in your brain that just says smile or you know, you maybe see a post that just gets you but again when you look at a post, it, it, it forms a reaction. You're going, look at her, look at him. Why did they do that? Why did he do that? That's an outrage. What about the NHS? Did we all clap? You're firing off all these different pathways in the brain. How are you going to go to sleep? And I really, really, this one really hit home with me. During the night, there is a sewage system in the brain that removes all toxins, including one that is directly correlated to that of dementia. So the more you sleep, the less plaque builds up in your brain. I seen a I seen a quote on it where it actually said, the the equivalent of a human going to sleep is that of restarting a computer in terms of how much it helps, or an electrical appliance when it when it you know when it goes a bit faulty. What do you do? Turn it off and turn it back on again. You know, do you we need to go into any more detail on that? That's as you know that, that that's as straightforward as it gets. Um, and again. We seem to think that sleep is like a bank where we can sleep a little during the the week, you know, maybe getting four or five hours sleep during the week, but yet at weekends we can catch it all up. It doesn't work like a bank. You know, that we're ultimately cheating ourselves. You should aim to be getting up and going to bed at the same time every day. We have a circadian rhythm built into us, and again, it can be distorted. We need to get that back. You know, just before I had my last child there, I had a really, really good circadian rhythm in, in terms of waking up at the right time, going to bed at the same time. Whereas now it's a bit all over the show, part because I keep having these mad ideas and part because there's a baby, you know? But, um, and just jumping from that, there's a very, very few group or small group of people that can actually get away with less than five hours sleep. Because so many people are like, yep, I'm in that group. Yep, that's me, blah, blah, blah. It's less than 1%, as I say. So you're more likely to get hit by lightning than to have this gene that lets you focus normally without any detriment. If we look at all these people like Margaret Thatcher and Churchill and all these people that claim to sleep for two and three hours a night, they all you know, had dementia later on in life or had illnesses affected by the brain. So it's not one that I would, I would choose to go on. And just the last point before we move on to tips or tricks here is a really, really interesting thing. Uh, to, any, to any fitness followers out there, and I guess you all Kenny or if you're listening to the podcast, if you're dieting in any way, but you're not getting the adequate sleep, your body will give up lean muscle and refuses to give up the fat when it's being starved of sleep. So please take that into consideration. If you're busting your balls every week at the gym, doing five, six days a week, training like an absolute Trojan, but yet you're sleeping four hours because you spend most of your night on Tinder, then it doesn't really correlate. You know, you're, you're maybe, it's again like what I used to do, I would have trained fucking three hours a night, but I went home and I had fucking two big bars of Galaxy, a tin of Coke and a pizza for dinner with a couple of burgers because I was going, oh, well, sure, I'm training so hard anyway. Please take everything into account. It, it, we're all starting to form a pattern now. Everything in life is a balance. 
your sleep needs to be there, your body needs to be there, your mind needs to be there, your spirit needs to be there. These are all things we need to take into account. So just before I jump on to the actual tips for sleep, I would like to just take this chance to again thank you all for listening and just recommend if you could try and get, stick to the eight hour sleep guys. Try your best to get it. I guarantee you will feel better. Some people can get that sweet part at seven and a half, 7.25, in between seven and eight. Aim to do this, aim to do this for 30 days. Tell me you don't feel better. Very similar to the cold showers, the breathing method. Add these all together, I guarantee you, you will be what we talked about. You will be that 1% better. You will be a version of yourself that you look back and go, I'm 10 times better than the person I was this time last year. Remember, most people overestimate what they can do in a year, underestimate what they can do in 10. Guys, get the sleep in now, get the mind right now, get the body right now, and down the line, it will, you will reap the rewards of it when you're that 90-year-old that's at the shop themselves as opposed to that 90-year-old that's on a, an oxygen tube that can't walk to the, the fridge that is being curled on by three different curves. Take this all into account now. You, you know, we talked about the meaning of YOLO. Let's not make it into a fuckboy term. Let's make it as a genuine health, mental wellness, everything term. You only get one go at this. There's no point you going at 70. Why did I not look after my body better? Why did I not look after my mind better? Let's get all these things right now and move on. So down the main reason you're here, the toolkit. The toolkit, as we explained before, for anybody that's jumping in that hasn't listened to any previous podcasts, the toolkit is something we are stocking up on ourselves. This is a box inside our brain that we will be putting in different techniques and tips that we can later pull out when we need to. As I say, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna take out a hammer if you're gonna plaster a wall. Specific tips you will use at specific times of your life. At the minute, there's a few of them that we that I would be recommending we use all the time. But again, you know yourself better than anybody. Don't lie to yourself. Don't be trying to convince yourself to do things certain ways and be like, oh, that works for me. I'm going to do that if it's just the easier method. Quick quick point to jump into. I had actually done this myself without doing it. I had been recommending the cold shower there first thing every single day when you get up in the morning. Now, religiously, I have been taking the cold shower every day, but subconsciously, my mind had went, yeah, but you're not going to do it first thing in the morning. You're going to do it after your 10K run. So I had kind of like negotiated with myself that I didn't want to jump into the cold shower first thing in the morning and that I was going to do it later on in the day. Part of my brain was going, yeah, but you're still doing it every day anyway. But the main part of it is to get all those body parts fired up, send all these pathways out to the brain, to the arms, to the legs, to the limbs, to the organs, to let everything know, yep, I'm awake, let's go. And as I say, try and start the day on a positive note by jumping into that cold shower, do it for two minutes, stick it out for the two minutes. I'm not at the stage now where it gets into, as I say, 30 to 40 seconds in and it starts to feel a bit warm. And again, it's not my faulty tops that I have in the house, which I don't have faulty tops, but it's actually the water is absolutely Baltic. So try doing it, will definitely help you out. Um, okay, so sleep tips and tricks. No screen time one hour before bed. Again, we're not gonna jump into the science behind this. Just trust me, it keeps your mind awake and the screen is very, very bad for your mind. What I'm actually gonna test out this week myself is leaving the phone on charge in the hall outside the bedroom. This will this will stop you from getting up midnight to check a message, or maybe you get a, you know, you might get a notification on Instagram or whatever, and you go, fuck, I'll just check that instead of waiting to the morning. Um, yeah, so uh, again, we're gonna go into that in itself, a different topic. I think staying off our phones is a very, very good topic in itself, but we'll not jump too far into it. We are going to also try turning off the lights in the house two to three hours before bedtime. This gets your mind ready for sleep. 
This gets your mind starting to create melatonin, okay? Which is really, really good in terms of if you're going to bed and every light in the house is on, which nine times out of 10 it is in ours because we have kids, your body's kind of not really fired up. The body's not really kind of fired up, so to speak, you know, um, for sleep. And it's like anything, going into your football match, you don't just wake up out of bed and go play football. You get your mind in that right state. It's the same for sleep. You get your mind and body and everything ready for sleep. The bedroom is to be cool because the brain needs to drop the temperature by two to three degrees, which is a bit of a mad one in itself. You wouldn't think that. You would always think you'd have a better night's sleep in a really warm room. Well, no, the science argues otherwise. Try and have the room nice and cool. Also, due to the blood flow in the body, we get a real plummet of temperature if we have a warm bath before bed. So again, you want that temperature to plummet to be at a cool temperature. So have a warm bath, because when you get out, you get that plummet, okay? Another tip is to wear socks or gloves. Really difficult, and do you really want to go to bed looking like a goalkeeper? But again, these are things that just, I see a lot of people on Instagram or on Snapchat, especially posting, oh fuck, I wish I wasn't an insomniac, or insomnia 101, who's up, or whatever, and it's like half three in the morning. It's like, well, to start with, you're on your phone. That's probably one of the biggest reasons you're not asleep. Um, another one would be if you're really struggling that much try all these things before you start taking medication main reason being medication isn't proper sleep it's sedating you it's not putting you asleep don't go to bed on a full or stomach or too hungry you want it just right so maybe something about an hour and a half before you go to bed maybe if you have to have something maybe a wee supper a wee couple of rounds of toast or whatever just something that's going to tide you over you don't want to be going to bed having a big munch watching netflix again we're all at different periods of our life, and I understand this, and I myself am in a very, very happy, positive period of my life, where it may be easy to just go, yeah, do you know what, I had a really good day with the kids, really good day at work, really good day with my partner, um, we're going to go to bed and watch something amazing on Netflix, we're trying to watch more documentaries than anything else, because there's too much trash on TV at the minute, but it's so easy to just have a fucking, you know, have a, a big bag of hunky dories and a pizza or something like that, but stay away from it, it takes too long to digest, and your body needs to be going to sleep, not going to work. Because when you're digesting food, the majority of energy goes to doing that. And again, you don't want to be building up too, burning up too much energy while you're trying to sleep. Exercise during the day, but not too close to bedtime. We'll actually do a topic on actual exercises and different types to do for different body types and different people that I myself will take us through on a different podcast. But yeah, just do it. Just not too close to bedtime as this can have an adverse effect and wake you up. Biggest thing I have for me, and this is actually something I haven't done in a while, we had an Alexa in the room that we actually brought it downstairs now. Um, we had an Alexa in the room and I used to listen to either a white noise or rainforest sounds when I was going to sleep. I would actually physically drool. I was in that deep of a sleep when I'd done this. I, I did a bit of research into this and expensive hotels are actually all coming now with white noise machines because they've seen that the science has seen that dramatic of a spike up in terms of how much it improves sleep. And especially, you know, people that are going to five-star hotels, businessmen, they're on very high salary, CEOs, need sleep, white noise machine, boom, done. A clean room might sound really, really basic, but again, we should be cleaning our rooms. It's a very, very popular Jordan Peterson uh, chapter in his book. I can't remember the name of the book now, I read it a while ago. But it's about cleaning your room. It's about getting your room in order. A clean room reflects on your mind. We can all remember being told that when we were a kid. Um, and then go to bed when tired. First few nights, this could be weird. First few nights, this could be weird. If you're gonna try these, all these methods, try it the first night, you may be sitting there at two, three o'clock in the morning, going, I wish I had my phone, still can't sleep, blah, blah, blah. Persevere, because if you're up to that time, 
guarantee you the next night you're in bed at a decent hour and then the, the, this period will continue on itself. The World Cup of tips is upon us. This is the last thing I will share with you today before we end the podcast. This is actually taken from the Tim Ferriss podcast. He has recommended a special type of elixir which will help you sleep. If you make this up and have it before you go to bed, you will sleep like, I don't know, a sloth. Yeah, we'll go for that. So it is two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar with one tablespoon honey mixed in with hot water. Drink it all down in a coffee, standard coffee or tea cup. You will sleep like a baby or a baby sloth. So that's us for today, guys. It's been emotional. I would just like to say thank you very much as always. Please tune in next week to the podcast. And yeah, jump on the Instagram, jump onto our Facebook to like all our stuff. And yeah, have a really, really good weekend. Love yous. Bye.